Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, it's the Freight 360 Podcast. From freight broker sales tips to sports talk, this podcast is all about helping you grow as a freight broker. We're your hosts, Nate Cross and Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right, welcome back for episode 165 of the Freight 360 Podcast. Um, I'll start off by saying... I'm excited for this episode because it's one of my favorites to do where we're just going to be answering straight up your questions. Lots of Q&A. Um, but it's interesting because, Ben, you're currently um, stuck inside in the midst of a impending hurricane. And I'm locked down in my house because I have COVID. Luckily, it's not too bad. Just I'm a little uh, congested. But uh, and I have to look behind me at my sad Bills roster, which I or my my sad Bills um, game log, which I still haven't updated because they got embarrassed by the Jets, uh, twenty to seven last week. But anyway, this episode is brought to you by Blue Book Services. Blue Book is the resource that you need if you're transporting fresh produce. Their online database contains thousands of companies throughout the produce industry supply chain. You can easily search their database to generate new sales leads. Blue Book's credit ratings help you avoid companies with high credit risk, and their team can help resolve disputed loads. To learn more, go to ProduceBlueBook.com and click join today. That's ProduceBlueBook.com. So, Ben, what's it like being in the uh, midst of an impending hurricane? Uh, it's honestly, just a lot of rain right now. Super high winds. I mean, last night there was a bunch of them, and they just like the bands that come through, the storm bands as they like blow over the area. It's like, you can tell because the wind just picks up substantially. And it was like yesterday was like we the day before yesterday, right before I found out about the hurricane, we just finished putting everything outside, like from the move. So like 15, oh, 20 classic. plants that all weigh 100 to 150 pounds a piece. They're all it was just anyway, fun times. But yeah. Yikes, man. Is. Well, luckily, it's it looks like it's not going to be like a you know, one of your cat four no. or fives, obviously like a category one or something, but still, I mean, hurricane force winds are no joke. So, yeah. I mean, honestly, like when you're down here, like category one and two is like a dusting of snow for you. <laughs> like <in laughs> That's kind of the, people don't even start bringing their furniture until it's like about to make landfall. Like the grocery stores weren't even really busy unless it's a four or five. Like, yeah. Well, we're getting close to that time of year where the snow is going to come. It's actually, we're like in the 60s today. So I was just down in Florida and um, I got to say, man, it, it was like opening up an oven on my face. Um, it was like, I want to say like Sunday or no, Saturday I was walking around and this is in, I was in Disney World with my kids and it was so hot and humid. We were just trying to find anything indoors to do because it was just, it was disgusting. So, and we, I started to feel like crap because, you know, we didn't know what was going on and clearly it ended up being COVID. So, um, but anyway, it was nice on Sunday. It was like 80 and not as humid, but um, back to, back to Western New York where everyone's depressed about the bills. So, um, in other sports news, what else do we got here? Um, the uh, well, the Bills are still in first place in the AFC through a tiebreaker with Kansas City. How did the, how did these Steelers do over the weekend? I didn't even I didn't, I didn't watch any football at all. I didn't even watch the Bills game because I was watching. There was a bye week. There was a bye week, so Steelers didn't play. They play um, New Orleans next week. Gotcha. So the Bills are going to be hosting the Vikings this coming Sunday, and we don't know if Josh Allen's playing or not. It looks like he hurt his elbow the other day. Um, 
Coach Sean McDermott said he's day-to-day. We'll see if he plays. Um, so stay tuned on that. I do like the Bills' rest of the schedule, though. It's sad that they're 0-2 in their own division when they're an AFC top team right now. Right now. Uh, but they've got Vikings, Browns, Detroit, and then a series of uh, AFC East, Patriots, Jets, Dolphins towards the uh, later stretch of the season. But, uh, you know, it's always good to get a little little butt whooping to remind yourself that any given Sunday, any professional sports team can beat any other one. So you got to have uh, everything in line there. So um, the Sabres, I mean, hey, I, I've admitted openly I'm a bandwagon Buffalo Sabres hockey fan, and they've been impressive this year. I haven't really watched a whole lot, but I'm just seeing seeing them be towards the top and makes me makes me happy for Buffalo and all the hockey fans out there. So the um, Penguins have always historically been a pretty they you know it's interesting you said that. As of yesterday, I think I heard this, or maybe it was two days ago, they had a six game losing streak, which the last time that happened was the year before Sidney Crosby. Um so, They're at seven yeah. right now. Yeah. And I actually just looked, the Sabres have lost the last three. So that kind of, maybe I should take back what I said. But hey, maybe we can just share in our depressing um, hockey teams. Yeah. They're, they're at least they're straight. So, yeah. So there's a fun fun stat for you. The If you look at the Eastern Conference, the the leading teams with losing streaks right now are the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Buffalo Sabres. But Sabres are still, let's see. Oh, no, they're, they're seven and six. They're not even that good. I don't ignore me. They were good until last week, apparently. But we'll see how sports pans out. I'll give my predictions for, uh, for NFL at the end of this uh, episode here. We'll see how the Steelers are matching up and how the Bills are matching up. But let's give a shout out to our friends over at DAT and get into the episode. Taking the guesswork out of freight with DAT. The DAT Load Board Network is the largest on-demand freight marketplace in North America, connecting freight brokers with available capacity on any lane. Grow your business with tools that allow you to find new business partners, plus you can quickly qualify and onboard new carriers. And with the industry's leading freight rate data, you can make clear and confident pricing decisions. Check out the show notes for a free month of Power Express or Trucker's Edge. Absolutely. All righty. So we had a lot of questions come in this week, and I'm excited. We encourage you guys. This is the content we want to put out. We we love to have guests on. We love to bring on industry experts. We love to put out some educational stuff. But nothing's more important than the questions that you all have. So make sure to keep sending those in. And I think we had one guy that actually sent a couple in this week that he'll get answered. So kudos to him for taking advantage of this because now he's going to have his answers, uh, his answers to his questions delivered to us right on the show. So uh, let's start with the first question here. And it says, is a is the fuel surcharge a separate line item on a rate confirmation or is it included in the total price? So what I want to do here is I, want, I just want to take a minute here to explain what a fuel surcharge is and how it's used. Okay. So if you have a customer that wants to perhaps do a bid and they want to know, you know, they, they might say, hey, give us your pricing on all these lanes for the whole year, but we're also going to give you a fuel surcharge, which will vary depending on the cost of diesel 
at that, you know, during that week. So if as fuel prices go up, they'll tack on extra money onto your rate. And as fuel prices go down, that additional fuel uh, price will will go will be lower. So what it does is it helps helps protect you when you submit a price for fluctuating fuel costs. Okay, so you'll often see that in a bid process to allow consistency of pricing throughout the year and flexibility as diesel goes up and down. Okay, because what some people will do is we've talked about it in the past if they're just giving an all in rate and it's just hey the price is what the price is. You might take a loss certain times of the year because either capacity is tight or fuel is expensive or a variety of other reasons. And that fuel surcharge is intended to help kind of level out the peaks and valleys of your profits throughout the year. So right. that's and what also, fuel surcharge is. Yeah. And from like the shipper's point of view, it also helps a little bit with their with their bid process, right? Like you just kind of explained and it's from their point of view, right? Like the trucking expense, right? The maintenance on the truck should be fairly predictable, right? The driver's pay should be predictable throughout a year. And, you know, so when they're looking at the lanes, the lanes aren't changing for, you know, some of them in the bid. The only real variable expense, you know, from the carrier directly to the shipper should be fuel. So that's why you see it predominantly on, you know, directly between shippers and carriers but you do see it with brokers as well, but there is no fuel surcharge in the spot market. So that's why you see a lot of all in rates with brokers and carriers. Yeah. Well, I will say I have seen the, there are, I've only seen it a handful of times, but there are certain customers that even in the spot market, they will give you a fuel surcharge based on whatever the fuel rates are that week. It's very uncommon though. Usually if you're bidding on a single load this week, it's going to be just, Hey, what's your all in price? So back to the question, is the fuel surcharge a separate line item or is the fuel surcharge included in the in the, in the rate confirmation or in the total price? Uh, it depends. OK, so if you are if you're a carrier and you're bidding on or you're going to book a load with a broker and off the load boards, it should be included in your all in price. So if a broker tells you I'm paying twenty two hundred dollars, that should be everything. Line haul, fuel surcharge. Any accessorials, everything. That's the price. Okay. Um, but if you are a carrier or a broker and you're participating in a, a bid or an RFP for a customer, you should probably ask that question. They, they usually will tell you in the bid, like, hey, these, we want your line haul rates. Keep in mind, here's a schedule of our fuel surcharge. Um, you know, how, you know, how many cents per mile you'll get for fuel based on what diesel prices are. Um, so it depends. It really just all depends. But if you're operating in the spot market, it should be all inclusive, not a separate amount. So. The thing that I think is a good rule of thumb to keep in mind is whatever you're doing with the customer, try to keep it consistent with the carrier. Um, and again, I know the question's about fuel surcharge, but I always think about this as it relates to potatoes are just a really good example because they're usually like by hundred weight onions are that way, but you'll, you'll have some things where the shipper wants some variable costs in there. It's just make it easier on yourself as a broker, do the same thing on both sides. Yep. That way you're not calculating it and then having to figure it out and then adjusting it later and having chargebacks. It's just whatever you got on one end, do it on the other end. Yeah, and I would say beyond that, so definitely keep it the same, but preference is just flat rates are super preferable um, either way. But definitely if your customer is paying per mile with the fuel surcharge or they're paying per bag of potatoes or onions or per hundred pounds, keep it consistent to the carrier so you're not 
potentially taking a loss because your customer is actually paying you less because they didn't load as much, but you agreed on a rate confirmation to pay a flat rate to a carrier at a you know a higher amount. So I've had two. The only time I've not done it on both sides, I had a customer for a long time that was paying us like I remember it was like twelve between twelve and like fifteen percent fuel for like the two years I worked with them, and that was portion of my margin. So on the carrier side, it was a flat rate. I would you know try to build in an extra 5% in margin. And then yep. whatever I got my fuel was the margin that I worked off of. Little icing on top. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that happen a lot with bids. Um, folks would look at the line haul rate, fuel excluded on like a pricing tool, and they would bid that exact amount. And then the fuel surcharge would be their brokerage profit. That's how they would calculate it. So nothing wrong with doing that. And yeah, you might want to add a couple points on to give yourself a little buffer. All right. Next question. I have a broker and carrier authority, but I hardly use the broker authority. I feel I won't be able to load. Let's see. I might have written this down. I feel like I won't be able to load for a customer. Oh, I won't be able to cover loads for a customer if I take them as a broker. Any advice? So basically, this is a this is someone that's a broker and carrier. They're selling as an asset-based company. Uh, they have brokerage authority, but they're not really using it, right? They're afraid, well... What if I agree to take a load? I don't have a truck available. And at this price, I don't think I can go and broker it out and find a carrier to to actually you know, make that spread and make money as a broker. Because they know what they would charge as a carrier, but they don't know what every other, what every other carrier is going to charge. So advice here, um, you know, I would say the same kind of advice that goes to any broker, right? Just pretend you don't have any assets at all. You've got to go yeah. sell on your value add, right? Bringing options to the market, to your customer. And that's a matter of um, looking at the historical trends on what a broker to carrier rate is for that specific lane. And, you know, obviously there's going to be a range. So let's give it like a hypothetical, right? Let's say, let's say, um, you know, you, you quoted your customer $2,000, you know, as a trucking company, you can probably move it at, I don't know, 1800 or 1750 and you're going to make 15% margin or 20%, whatever percent margin on that. Um, after all your maintenance, fuel and driver expenses are paid. Well, you've got to, you got to think there's going to be other similar trucking companies out there that will have similar expenses and costs as you. So the longer you have to try and shop a carrier for that lane operating as a broker, the more options you're going to get. And that the more options you have, the higher likelihood is that you're going to find a carrier that will match that and still allow you to make profit. So, um, you know, I would, the, the way I would definitely approach your customer with it is, hey, when I'm loading my own trucks, I can predict 100% what my expenses are because I know how our company operates. Now, as a broker, I have a value add to you, Mr. Shipper, that I can get you access to additional trucks outside of my own fleet that either have more capacity than me, they have different equipment types than me, they, they run different lanes than I do, but I'm the one who knows you as a customer. I know how you guys operate, so I'm still going to be the main point of contact. And you can explain to them that you don't set the price of the trucking company. You know what your price is as a, as a carrier, but you're going to have probably a range. And the more time you have to work on it, you're likely going to have a lower um a lower price point than if you have to get it moved that same day or the next day. So it's just about conversation with your customer. I think what would you add to that of how to, how to add, add the brokerage side? 
So the caveat, right? And here's the interesting thing. And we haven't really talked about this much, but um, this was a big thing that I learned when I first started brokering was that also like, yes, the less time you have, the less trucks are there. So technically, you know, when there's less of something, you tend to pay more, right? But the other thing that happens, I've always felt where like, if you kind of wait till the same day, you also can end up with a wider margin from the brokerage's standpoint because the trucks that need those loads kind of have to get, take them and they're going to take them for usually less. So we would always joke that like if you tried covering a Tuesday load, you know, or a Monday or Tuesday load, like Wednesday or Thursday, the week before one, you have a very high chance of fallout. Yep. But the second thing is you almost always had a thinner margin because like the carrier's not up against anything, right? They're like, Hey, yeah, this seems like a good rate. Like I, I want to be around here. So you tend to actually get wider margins when you book same day, but you do risk. And this is the fear. And this is the fear that every broker goes through every time you quote a load, every time you take a load, right? Because those are the two ways you can kind of operate. You can either operate by committing to the load without the truck, and then you've got a chance to make more money on the same day. Or option two is wait till you have a truck in hand before you tell your your, your customer that you can actually cover it. Yeah, you know what's interesting is um, there's a similar concept with buying plane tickets. Mm-hmm. So people typically think, oh, if I book last minute, I'm going to pay out the butt. And the reality is, if that plane has a lot of empty seats, they will drive the purchase price way down the last yep. couple of days just trying to fill seats because they want. I know, know American wants methodically. American wants people paying to go on their plane instead of going to Delta or JetBlue or wherever else, right? Uh, even though. You know, they might be selling it out of steel. They either fill that seat or they don't. So yes. that truck, right? That truck last minute, and again, you're taking a gamble. You're rolling the dice on this. But that truck, they might be like, "Hey, I gotta get back to Milwaukee, or I have to get to Atlanta, and I will take it at a dollar fifty a mile, just so I'm not driving empty." 200 miles to find another load going in that direction. So you are absolutely correct on that. These are the things that I've all that like why I love this industry as I got more into it, because like, I've just always been a fan of economics. And it's like, when you see these things just play out over and over again, right? You've got more risk. So guess what you end up with usually more return, but you also have a much higher probability of not getting anything. So it's like everything else in life, right? (laughs) Absolutely. So to answer the question short here, um, I would just ignore the fact that you have trucks and just think about it as how use all of our other advice on how you can build your brokerage and add value as a broker. It's it's great that you have trucks, um, but don't be afraid that you can't succeed as a broker just because you are you're a carrier. Just totally separate them, hundred percent separate them, and use the mindset of I'm a broker. I can bring multiple um, you know multiple options to my customers and you know, have be a great communicator, give great options, be flexible, uh, easy to get a hold of, fun to have a conversation with. All all that same advice we give to any other broker trying to get uh, more business. All right, our next question: How do I use freight waves to gain knowledge and stay in the know with the transportation industry? And I want to broaden this because freight waves is a great tool. They're basically a media outlet for the transportation industry. But there's a lot of others as well. So, you know, obviously we're a trusted partner of Blue Book Services. So the Produce Blue Book has a twice a day newsletter. We send out a newsletter about every single week. And there's a lot of other platforms out there too that are, you know, they might be 
news media style outlets for logistics and transportation. Um, but the, the big takeaway here is subscribe to the newsletter. That's my biggest tip or piece of advice on it. Because not every single bit of information is going to be relevant to you. And you don't need to necessarily go to all their websites and search through and try to find stuff. But if you get delivered easily to your inbox and your email, and you can just, you know, if a headline sticks out to you, like, you know, hey, large trucking company got purchased by, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that's one of the carriers that you normally use. You're going to be like, oh, wow, boom, you know, something relevant to me. The other thing, too, is we've talked a lot about using Google Alerts. So you can set up, um, Google alerts using keywords, whether it's logistics or freight brokering or transportation, whatever, and you'll get daily or weekly, whatever you have it set to, you'll get email updates at that frequency, letting you know what's new in the news or in articles, blogs, et cetera, resulting uh, or that match the, the search result that you had put in there. So that's my recommendation. Also, one of the things that I used to do with freight waves was if I had some downtime, and uh, you know, I wanted to go research something in a specific market. They do have a searchable feature on their website, so you can go find their entire library of news articles on a specific industry, whether it's truckload or LTL or steel, lumber, whatever. It's all searchable in there. You know, we've we've had folks from Freight Waves on here before. We've been on their shows before as well. Great folks over there. Great information. Um, you know, definitely industry experts. So I would definitely, um, you know, newsletter, research some stuff on their website. The other thing too is freight waves. If you're a real big like uh, economics or macroeconomics guru, they have a product called Sonar that I personally use it where you can see a lot of macro level on imports, exports, tender rejections, container usage, things like that. And that'll give you really big high level picture on what's going on in the shipping world. Um, so you can kind of use their forecasting with your own forecasting and just have conversation with your customers about what's going on in the marketplace. So anything else that you've done with freight waves or similar sources to use them to your benefit? Yeah. I mean, also podcasts like DAT's freight vine is really good. That comes out every week. Chris Kaplis does that. They do a market update at the end. Um, I read Dean's blog every week on um, DAT. He does a really good market recap. Ken Adamo over at DAT, both of those guys or all the analysts over there really put out good content on a weekly basis that is going to tell you what's going on in the market, give you insight into where and what's happening as it relates to trucking capacity, any issues that are coming up, what's going on. So, I mean, really all of the above are resources that I've used for all of the same things. Yeah. TIA has a newsletter as well that I subscribe to and um, a lot of good information. The key takeaway here is to make it simple and efficient. So you want to be able to consume as much relevant content in as little time as possible. So if you have like a summary sent to you in a newsletter or a Google alert or whatever, and you could sift through quickly and say, oh, I want to read this or no, I'm going to skip that. I'm going to skip that or I want to read this. That's way better than just going through and scrolling through a, the homepage and seeing all their new stuff. Just have it easily delivered to you. And at the end of the day, having just a little more knowledge than the average broker is going to give you that little boost you need to be ahead of the game. The JOC too. The JOC, yep. I don't know. They have a good newsletter. And when I, you know, just started, I would have that sent to me because there was like once a week, there was some relevant article in there yep. and really well written. Definitely. You, you brought up podcasts too. So obviously we're a podcast, but one of the things that I love to do is whether I'm in my car driving or I'm at the gym or 
mowing the lawn. If you're doing something where you have idle time to listen, podcasts are a great way just to consume additional knowledge when you can't be behind the computer, you know, plugging away, trying to research stuff that way. So good stuff. All right. Next question. Is there a way to check if anyone is committing fraud with your brokerage and pretending to be an agent of your brokerage? This is a good question and it opens up a can of worms because there's more fraud than just pretending to be an agent. Um, with double brokerage, one of the common ways that a, a carrier will commit double brokerage or illegal brokerage activities is to lie and use somebody else's asset authority when they're a broker to get a load from a broker and then they just double or rebroker it. So it's, you know, I'm trying to think of what I would give advice on if, if I'm in your shoes and I'm worried about this. Um, well, I don't know. What do you got on this? Well, I'm trying to think about if, if I'm worried about someone being an agent of my brokerage, I, I would definitely, if somebody ever brought it up to me, I would ask for details and clarify with them who's part of my team and who's not. But is there anything that you would do if you're wor worried about fraud in that aspect? Oh, I mean, the the only thing I could think of to catch somebody that was using, because they should be caught by the shipper they're working with, right? Like when they go to vet them, they should see that like they don't have a domain name. That's one of the things I think you can do to kind of protect yourself is that make sure you have a domain name with your emails. That way, at the very least, everyone that is an agent or works at your company has an email and nobody else can get that unless you provide it. Yeah. Only way I think you could catch somebody is honestly, like, I feel like the load boards and looking for load posts with your brokerage on it that aren't lanes you've posted, which is super tedious and I don't think very efficient, but... I don't even know if someone could post. Uh, they wouldn't be able to post under your MC. So right. here, here's what came to mind for me. And again, there's going to be bad actors all the time. They're going to always find a way and try to scam. But if you have a solid relationship with a customer or a carrier, it, it's as simple as, hey, I'm your main point of contact. If you can't get a hold of me, my backup is so-and-so. We're the only two or the only three or, you know, just tell them whatever it is so they know that if it's not me or so-and-so, um, you know, it's not from our company, right? So they should know they should kind of have a, a, a like, so for example, if it's me and you, let's say Freight 360 was a brokerage and we're dealing with Walmart and our rep at Walmart gives us a load up. Like, hey, so, you know, between myself and Ben, we got you covered. Um, we're, we're the only two from this company that'll be working on this load. If you get a call from anybody else, it's not really us. Um, you know, there's been some, some fraudulent people out there. So just make sure to stay aware for that. Same thing with the carrier. Hey, you know, just send out your rate confirmation. Um, you can always get a hold of me for you know to send updates in. If I'm not available, you can always reach out to Ben. Um, you know, if anybody calls you that's not myself or Ben, it's it's probably not us. So just be aware of that. So you can take some proactive steps just to kind of, I guess, prepare your customer and your carriers about your line of communication and who works on your team. Uh, but there's there's going to be bad actors no matter what. I'm pretty sure. So. Yeah, I mean, there's not really. I mean, there's no, you just, I mean, just <laughs> I'm sad. trying to wonder how could somebody pretend I to be know. an agent? I guess they could, they could, I'm trying to think here. You could probably have someone that would try to solicit a customer and say they work for a certain brokerage when they don't. But what are they going to um, do? But I don't know how you would up. prevent that. But how would they get set up anyway? Cause they're going to need to send like certificates of insurance to get set up. They're going to have to. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I would just say just, you know, like when we say try to prevent double brokerage, um, using a good dispatch checklist that gathers as much information as possible so you're not susceptible to that. Um, you know, just cross your T's, dot your I's, make sure your customer is informed on who works on your team and who to expect phone calls from. Same thing with the carriers. That's, that's my best advice on that one. Yeah. So. All right, next one. How do I stay up to date with commodity news, for example, steel, so I can add value by being knowledgeable. And this kind of plays on the freight waves question. What I would say is if if you are going to have a niche where you are an industry expert in a certain commodity, you definitely want to stay up to date on what's going on. And that's where I would definitely set up Google Alerts and join newsletters for trade associations that are related to that field. So if it's steel... I'm going to probably set a Google alert for, I think if you just did steel, you're probably going to get a whole bunch of stuff, but you could type in like uh, steel manufacturers, steel shippers, steel plants, steel and transportation or steel and shipping, something like that. So you'll get those updates, those emails every day or every three days or once a week, whatever it is. And that'll help you out. The other thing too is like trade associations. So, um, like a lot of these trade associations that do trade shows and networking events, they typically have a community that has some sort of newsletter or a website with a forum or just kind of interaction between members. And those are great to be a part of. So like I've had folks in the past that they were big produce. uh, They brokered a lot of produce loads and they would go to produce trade shows like specific to their commodity. So like potatoes and onions, you know, you'll see like potato, trade shows throughout the year, or you might see citrus trade shows um, throughout the year based on where the stuff's shipping out of. And you'll have a community of folks around you where they will send out updates to their members. So that's a good way to stay in the know on those commodities. But Google alerts are huge. And I know it's the second time we've mentioned it on this episode. Just go to our website. And if you go to the resources section and just go to blogs or videos, if you just type in Google alerts, you'll find a whole bunch of content that we have that will explain to you how to set alerts, how you can use them in detail and how they'll benefit you. Any advice that you would have on specific commodity staying up to date? I'm looking for the same, the news and the keywords I always used are prices. So like steel prices, I care about steel demand, steel supply, um, typically what affects my customer and how many, how many loads they are moving, you know, Completely aside from how many I'm actually moving, right? Like that's the first thing that matters. So, you know, when you've got a lot of competition in steel, like I remember when I used to move a lot of it, like the biggest things my customers wanted to talk about was what was going on with imports of other steel, right? Because I shipped for a domestic producer of steel. So one of the things that really affected how much we were moving on any given month or quarter or expected to was how much was getting imported into the country, right? How much German steel was coming in, how much Japanese steel was coming in. That was affecting how much they were going to produce and then how much we were going to you know, ship. Another good one, we talked about this, but it was just Last month, there was, I think, like strawberry prices went up uh, like a ton because there was a shortage of supply. Well, when that happens, that usually affects the amount of loads that are shipping, how quickly they need to ship, how much they're going to pay to ship. So, you know, when you're going to throw that commodity in your Google alert, throw in the word price, throw in demand, supply, those are the things that are going to pick up, I think, articles that are really relevant to conversations you're going to be having with your customer. Here's another one, too. So if you're active on LinkedIn... um, 
you probably you understand that you have a like a news feed similar to like Facebook or Twitter or whatever, right? So whoever you're following or whoever you're friends with or connected with, your homepage will be a feed of all their stuff. So one of the cool things about LinkedIn is if your customer is ABC Steel, go ahead and follow them on LinkedIn and you'll get their feed of all their posts that they're posting. Yeah, I forgot. That, that's a good Link, one. Yeah, LinkedIn will then, if you go to that ABC Steel's page, LinkedIn, I think it's on the right side of the page, will tell you who their competitors are or similar companies. So you'll likely find a whole bunch of other steel companies that you can then follow. And then any of their updates will then be on your LinkedIn feed. So that's yeah, a cool way to do it. That was a big it. one. I completely forgot about that. LinkedIn is huge because, you know, most like LinkedIn doesn't necessarily like push content out for companies nearly as much as they do for individuals. But again, the stuff that companies put out is really relevant um, yep. to what they're doing business wise. Absolutely. All right. Our last question is, uh, what do I do when I find out my load was double brokered? So there's a lot that goes into this. Um, and I'll give you some examples of some things that have happened at our company, Pierce for Wide, lately and what we've been doing to get better at it and just try to close the, close the loop on any more potential scams. So... The first thing is if you find out your load's double brokered, it's going to be typically one of two ways. Number one, a carrier that you've never heard of is calling you saying, hey, I have your load and um, I believe it was double brokered by so-and-so that gave it to me, but I found your information on it. The other way is you might have a customer calling you saying, hey, we um we got this random carrier calling us for payment on this load that we gave to you. And then that's how you find out that that carrier had no idea. They probably got it double brokered to them by somebody else who then went dark on them, didn't answer, won't pay them. So now they're going to the BOL looking at the shipper saying, I'm going to call this person and try to get paid. Your customer's like, I don't know who this guy is. I'm going to go to my broker that I gave it to. And it's your problem now. So that's how, typically how you're going to find out. So the, the basic rules of thumb here are, number one, whoever you gave the load to that you assume double brokered it, freeze their pay immediately. Let's hope you haven't paid them yet or they haven't taken a quick pay. And then you want to do a little bit of investigation. Try to call that original carrier. Probably not going to get a hold of them. There's not a whole lot you can do. Now, you hear the second carrier saying, well, I hauled this load for you and I delivered it. And then you think, okay, well, thank, thank goodness I know the actual carrier. Well, how do you know that that carrier actually hauled it and isn't scamming you just trying to get a free paycheck, right? So one of the things that we've been doing now is trying to ask for as much proof as possible. I never really thought about that, but you're, you're it's so true. And like that thought, it's like you could have had a triple brokered yeah. um, load. I <laughs> just Absolutely. never thought of that. You're right. So what we've been doing now is with ELDs being a requirement now is to request whoever is claiming they actually hauled the load, ask for a copy of their ELDs. It's going to show you where they were and when, and that's a good way to match up and prove that, yes, this was the actual carrier that did haul this load. So that way I'm not going to get scammed an additional time on top of the first guy that scammed me. Um, What's funny is we had one recently where 
the carrier that claims they hauled the load for us was like, oh, the ELD wasn't working. We can't give you our logs. And we're like, well, we can't just pay you off of like you telling us you're a good guy. And so those are just things you have to look at to, you know, prepare yourself to not get, you know, frauded a second time. Um, there yeah. are, you know, it's interesting. Like I've been thinking about a lot about that. It's just like, how crazy is it that like shippers don't really register who they're giving loads to? Like just thinking about that, like there's just, I've like very rarely do you have any of them that have an SOP where they're writing down the MC that actually picked up a load and then just, I mean, like it'd be super simple, right? Just wrote down the PO that you loaded and just wrote the MC on the side of the truck next to it, right? So at any point in time, your broker or the carrier could call you and just say, hey, want to verify so-and-so or who picked up you know, what load. And it's just, no one does that. <laughs> yep. So on the, on the topic of double brokerage, um, things that you can do to prevent it, like we mentioned earlier, having a good dispatching checklist where you're, you're getting the driver's name and phone number, verifying the MC number, um, requesting GPS tracking so you can see where that driver is. I think, I, I don't know if I told this story or not, but we caught one a couple weeks ago where the driver accepted GPS or the, sorry, the, the carrier, the quote unquote carrier accepted GPS. It showed them in, in Ohio and they claimed they were on the way to pick up the load. They were coming from Oregon down to California to pick up the load, but they showed up three, you know, three time zones to the East in Ohio. And we're like, whoa. And they immediately canceled it. And we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Clearly a double broker here. So, but GPS tracking is huge. Asking for and letting them know when you send the rate confirmation, um, we're going to require a picture of the truck at the loading facility with the MC visible on the side of the truck. And that's all that's, you know, here's your rate. And this rate is conditional on the following things. Driver must accept GPS tracking. Driver must send a picture of their truck and MC number at the loading facility. Um, You know, getting things like the color of the the color making model of the tractor um, tractor and trailer number. You can go as far as letting your customer know, like, hey, you know, there's been a lot of double brokerage in the industry lately. Or, um, you know, I, I've I'm doing what I can on my end, but um, when they when they show up, I want to make sure that the MC number and truck and trailer number match that I've got from them. So here's that information. Just double check it. That way, we're not going to get into a, a bind down the road. Um, so there's a lot of stuff you can do to prevent it, but they're going to always find a new way to try and scam something. Yeah, and I mean. It was almost every customer I've had was pretty, um, I don't even know what word I'm looking for was, um, I don't know, pretty helpful in this. Like exactly yeah. what you said, like you, I could usually ask and say, Hey, like just wanted to check, just wanted to make sure so-and-so is picking it up. Can you just, you know, jot the MC down or just let me know who's there to pick up the load. And again, like just communication is going to weed out a lot of those. Yep. Absolutely. Um, well, I gotta, I'm gonna give a shout out to our friends over at Lean, then I'll share some exciting news that we have coming up. Lean Solutions Group is the industry leader in nearshore staffing solutions with offices in South America, including freight, bro- freight broker back office operations, accounting, tech development, business development, marketing, customer service, and many other positions. To learn more about the vast solutions that Lean has to offer your freight brokerage or agency, Visit them online at www.leangroup.com. That's www.leangroup.com. All right, so we have some fun, exciting episodes coming up. 
And uh, the two big ones, we're going to bring on some industry experts. We're going to do one on, well, we're going to, I know we already mentioned this, but we're going to have a, a shipper come on the show with us and we're going to get inside the brain of the shipper. So all those times that you're out there cold calling or having a conversation with a prospect, we're going to have one of those prospects or shippers on the show with us to talk us through what it's like to be in their shoes, what their priorities are, how they vet through brokers that call them all day long. Um, that's it's going to be a really awesome episode that I'm looking forward to. Um, and I think he's been on some other podcasts before, and it's some of the best episodes I've been able to listen to. Uh, but that's going to be a good one, man. I'm looking forward. I don't know, I'm excited. He did one with um, Kevin on Put That Coffee Down like a year or two ago that I really like. And the interesting thing is if anyone, uh, his name's Paul Estrada. If you want to Google that and listen to the old one, it's really good. And here's why I, what I really liked about that last one, it always stuck with me was even when they're interviewing him at the beginning, he's kind of like, you know, not really putting his finger on why they work with who they work with as brokers, right? But through the conversation, as he opens up more and he starts to talk more about it, you can see that like you can hear towards the end, they start to explain exactly how their brokers became their brokers. And he works at one of the larger shippers in the in the US. Like they're a very, very large shipper. And it's going to give you a ton of insight into what's important to them, what they look for, so that you can do those things to, you know, get more customers. Yep. The other thing too, we're going to have an episode with a a company that provides all risk insurance. And if you're not familiar with with all risk insurance, it's essentially a a one-off insurance policy that you can provide to your customer that puts that policy in what's called the first position. We don't want to go too in detail on it until the actual show, but we all know that freight claims can be annoying and they could take three, four, five, or six months to settle out and your your customers getting pissed off because their, their claims not been paid. They don't want to pay their invoice and the carrier is getting held up on their pay. It's just a mess. So there's some companies out there that have have offer these all risk policies where you know, they're going to settle the claim in a very quick amount of time and they're easy to purchase. They're priced based on whatever the commodity is, whenever that lane is. And it gives your customer peace of mind. I used to always love this uh, in the past. So like truck stop used to have one that they offer their pricing changed and a lot of their, they had a lot of exclusions that hop, popped in there. So we kind of moved away from them, but uh, they're a great value add to offer to your customer. And you could just say like, Hey, this rate that I'm giving you includes an all risk policy. So if they have a high risk commodity, like something that's like produce or berries or something like that, and hey, just so you know, this is insured. And if there's a claim, it's going to be settled within a month. Um, so there's very little headache for you. So we're going to have a little insurance episode with folks over at LoadSure. They were referred to us by our friends over at DAT. So that's going to be a great episode as well. All right, we do have Blue Book coming on again for a third episode next month as well. So we got some fun, exciting stuff coming up here. And we're gonna we're gonna finish out the year strong here with some good stuff. So, um, let's take a look at. Here goes. Uh, you're asking me. I wrote this down. There was something that was relevant with a couple of clients I had talked to. Um, it was a quote that I heard in a podcast. It was the culture of a company is the worst behavior it's willing to accept, or the culture of a company is defined by the worst behavior it's willing to accept, and. Ooh, that's interesting. I like that. And it really hit home because I was working with a client who has a broker that has some pretty large accounts within their brokerage, um, but has a lot of, we'll say, 
personality issues with other, you know, employees, very hard to keep assistance underneath them, not very communicative, um, and kind of sets that tone. And it's, it's hard because, you know, for brokerages, you know, it's about money in a lot of ways. And I think a lot of times brokers probably keep some of these employees on longer than they should. And I think yep. most of their teams tend to, you know, suffer for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like you always say bad news gets worse with time. Um, cancerous people will poison your your organization more and more the longer you let them stay there. Mm-hmm. So that's a good quote, man. You are like the uh, the proverb expert or the quote guy for the show, for sure. Um, I want to take a quick look at the sports for this weekend. Pittsburgh, you are hosting the New Orleans Saints. You're a two and a half point underdog. That game could go either way. Saints have been struggling. It's any given Sunday, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, Bills hosting the Minnesota Vikings. Bills are favorites. We'll see how see how Josh Allen does. My only pick, I'm taking the Bills to win. That's it. I'm not touching. It's like a three and a half point spread. Not touching it. Bills to win. That's all I got. Um, any other good games here? Phillies playing Monday night against the uh, Washington. What are they now? The Commanders. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see here. Well, any, uh, final thoughts here, Ben? Yeah, if you're looking for a new home for your agency, if you're not reaching out to Nate, you can reach out to me at Benjamin at ship BTB at business to business logistics. Yeah. Or you just send us a message at info at freight360.net. Obviously two different companies. We'll be able to, you know, both happy to chat with you about different options. So don't be afraid to or hesitate to reach out. Yeah. Whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. And until next time, go Bills. That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Check out the show notes for links to anything that we've referenced on this episode. And make sure to visit us online at Freight360.net to see our entire library of episodes, videos, blogs, and more. And make sure to check us out on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel for daily and weekly tips and content. If you'd like your question answered on the show, fill out the Contact Us form on our site and we'll see you next week.